You are listening to Move With Radiance with Stephanie Dankelson, a podcast all about redefining your relationship to exercise, food, and your body by learning how to first redefine the relationship with yourself. Are you ready to discover your inner truth, your inner radiance? Because there is a more freeing way to be fit. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Move With Radiance. I am so excited that you all are here. Um, I'm actually, I kind of stepped aside for a couple of minutes to just like get this going, but um, I'm actually at a work conference for my nine to five (laughs) and my brain feels a little bit like mush, but something I've been really trying to practice is this idea of like, where am I putting my energy and how can I love myself more? And so I am the person that tends to overcommit, say yes to a lot of things, um, not want to disappoint people. And today, uh, you know, I've said yes to a lot more things than normal. So I took a break and said, you know, I need to do this for me and needed to kind of like step away to reframe my thoughts and like breathe for half a second without, you know, talking to a million people (laughs) as conferences go. So kind of a random side tangent, but just kind of a, a little reminder to, um, ask yourself, you know, where am I putting my energy? Does this thing deserve my energy? What can I say yes to more of, you know, in terms of like what brings me energy? Um, and what can I say more or what can I say no to, um, you know, to those things that maybe aren't giving you energy, right? So, and then also the other question, like how can I love myself more right now and really understanding what that means for you. Um, With that, I want to jump right into today's episode. I'm really excited about today's guest um, and the topic that we are discussing. I think it's something that's really important and something that we need to be talking about more, especially in this day and age of, you know, push, 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 no rest days, you know, get up early and get your workout in. And, you know, we don't talk about what the effects of overtraining or overexercising look like or, you know, What if you're not getting your period and all this kind of stuff about, you know, how health is such on an individual level and we just need to be the deciders of what works best for our bodies. So we, um, I sat down with, um, Kirsten (laughs) and she is a, um, coach in hypothalamic amenorrhea, AKA losing your period, um, and over-exercising. So, Today, we dig into, or this episode is digging into those two things and and how they're related. You know, a lot of the times and the people that she works with um, are clients who tend to be over-exercising or tend to not be eating enough. You know, typically those two things go hand in hand. Um, So we wanted to dig into like what that looks like and, um, you know, symptoms of overtraining, why sleep and recovery is more important than squeezing in your workout, especially if you've only gotten a few hours of sleep um, and why getting your period even if you're not trying to get pregnant, is crucial for our health as women. Um, this this episode is full of information, and I've so loved getting to know this this woman. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation. So, without further ado, let me tell you a little bit more about Kirsten. Kirsten Kimura is a personal trainer and group fitness trainer based in Richmond, California. 
She has always been into health and fitness, so much so that she ended up overtraining herself, which led to a serious hormonal imbalance. She lost her period, called hypothalamic amenorrhea, for 10 years, suffered from insomnia, was chronically fatigued, suffered from constipation, and never-ending brain fog. She has now recovered from all of these symptoms and is helping, helping women to recover from the same overtraining and under-eating symptoms as well. Body sec- acceptance is a huge part of her work because without that, recovering from hypothalamic amenorrhea is nearly impossible. I so hope you enjoy this conversation, and here is my conversation with Kirsten. Kirsten, I already said it wrong. <laughs> we were talking about how to say your name. Can you say it for everyone? All right, it's Kirsten, but yes. I make it a little easier for English native speakers. So you can say Kirsten, that's good too. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Well, thank you so much for having, having me. I am as excited as you were. Yay. <laughs> so we were just chatting about this, but how um, important this topic we're going to dig into today is and how I think it's still sort of a newer thing and a lot of women aren't really aware of it. And um, I'm just... I'm excited to just keep spreading this, this awareness. Um, so we're going to dig into um, your experience and your work around hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is a mouthful, HA for short. Um, for some of you, we've had this, um, we've discussed this on the show before in episode nine with Britt, but um, again, wanting to dig into this a little bit more. And then also your experience around overtraining, because that's, I think, something else we don't talk about enough. Um, so why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about you and your work. And if you want to dive into your story of how you've gotten to where you are today, that's awesome. So we'll just start there. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what I'm doing right now is I am helping women with hypothalamic amenorrhea or AJ. I think it's better to use that, <laughs> uh, to overcome, to beat AJ because it's a really, really serious condition. You're not getting your period, but that's not the only thing because there are so many other symptoms and other health issues also related to that. So period is just like, a, or not having the period, is just one sign that's telling you that something's seriously wrong with your body. So there's a host of other issues probably going on. I am guessing that if you're not getting your period, you're one of those people who is working out really consistently and eating a really, I put in quotes, a clean diet, maybe even counting your calories to make sure not like hit a certain number, not go over a certain number. And so you probably are also a type A person. <laughs> so that's a combination for a, that's kind of like a classic case of why someone's um, losing their period. And right now, because I have been through the same thing, what I'm doing is helping other women to recover from it. Yeah. So why don't we, so you struggled with, with this in the past, right? And so yes. how did you kind of realize that something was off? story you know yeah so it all started I am 33 right now and it all started when I was 21 years old I had you know I had been in the university for two two years and after the second year I had put on about 30 pounds about 14 15 kilos because I lived in Europe back then so it was I was really ashamed of it it was it was not fun. It was weird because I had always been a really athletic girl and seeing this extra weight on my body looked really awkward. Like, who am I? What's going on? But it just happened because, you know, I had gotten a new car, my first car. I was driving much more. I wasn't as, I didn't spend so much time training anymore. So the weight has just, you know, had just come come on. And so I wanted to get rid of it naturally. (laughs) 
And then um, I joined Weight Watchers at 21. And so there's this very strict point system. You have to follow a certain number of points and you can't go over it. So I remember specifically, and this is to show how bad the numbers can get into your head. I remember to this day that my daily number was 21 points, but I did my best to eat like 17 or so. And I also started running and I really well remember that like 10 minutes of activity gave you one extra point. See, it was 12 years ago. I still remember all this madness. Yeah. And so, yeah, I started running a lot, doing the diet and I lost, um, I lost all the weight plus some. And along the way, I also lost my period. Mm-hmm. It had been really irregular already before, but now it was completely gone. Uh, and... That wasn't my only symptom. I also started getting really bad insomnia. I just couldn't sleep anymore. And part of it was that I always wanted to run first thing in the morning. So before I went to bed, I was already nervous. Am I going to wake up? And then I, am I going to get my run in before I have to go to school or before I have to go to work, whatever I was doing on that day? So it was like this anxiety already in the evening, the day before or the night before. So my sleep got really bad. Later, I just couldn't fall asleep anymore. Um, I was up you know, a lot. I was up like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and I didn't get enough rest, and I was seriously under-eating. And so I counted my points and lost my weight, and I stayed at the same weight for about seven or eight years. I also started really binge eating a lot because I was in such a bad caloric deficit all the time. And I remember the first time it was my friend's birthday and I just couldn't hold back. I would just eat more and more and more. And when everybody else went, you know, out or left the room for a second, I would just like eat even more. And these episodes started to come back more and more often. So I think I binged and restricted and lived this lifestyle running at least an hour, six days a week uh, for about, yeah, seven or eight years or so. And then, uh, then I moved to America for a little while to do part of my studies here. And my life changed a lot. I made a ton of new friends. I started going out less. I actually um, stopped this really uh, not great relationship that I was in back then. And it was like a huge change in my life. I kind of like explored the country. I made new friends. I went out a lot. We ate pizza. We had wine. And then I put on weight. And one time my period came. I was like, what the heck is that? I didn't even know to that day that it has a problem not having it. I had seen doctors, but they said, it's fine. You're young. You don't want to have kids, right? Do you? I'm like, not yet. So, okay. And so I had this one random period. I moved back to Estonia after my scholarship ended here. And then I was so ashamed of the weight that I had put on. <laughs> so I got back home. I lost it again. So you know, because I lost all the weight and then I also lost my period. And this time I did strict paleo, I did CrossFit, I did running. And yeah, the cycle pretty much repeated again until 2016. I moved back to the States in 2015 and 16. I saw an acupuncturist for a totally different issue that I had. And then we started talking about these things and he's like, oh, what, you're not getting your period? What's up with that? I'm like, yeah, I've never had it, (laughs) you know, for the past 10 years. I haven't had it. And doctors are like clueless. They don't know either. Uh, and he's like, you know what, maybe you should like slow down your workouts and, you know, put on some body weight, although you don't look too skinny to me. And I wasn't. Um, and so, yeah. And honestly, um, it was a little bit of relief for me to hear that because I was getting to the point where my workouts were totally wearing me down. I was absolutely exhausted. I had always been able to go and work out on my own. I didn't need a workout buddy or anyone. But now it's like, I just can't go. It's so hard to get my mind to that place and do the workout. I hate it. I, I, I wouldn't say hate it. I never hated it. But 
I just can't get myself there. And so hearing from him that, yeah, it's okay to slow down for a little bit. I was like, okay, let's try it. Whew. And so I enjoyed a lot of long walks, did some yoga, put on a lot of weight. And six months later, my period came back and I've been able to keep it now a little bit over a year. Mm. That's awesome. I mean, it's crazy how our story brings us to where we are today. And now you're like doing this work with women and yeah, I, it's, you said a lot of things in there that I want to break down, but um, let's, so let's talk about one thing first. Um, What, so when people come to you and you kind of, you may suspect that they're overtraining, Mm -hmm. what, does that look like for someone? Like, what does overtraining look like? Because I think in today's world, we're told to just push and push and push and push. And so we kind of have this mentality of like more exercise is better, but it can also be harmful in some cases. So what does that look like? Mm -hmm. You know, overtraining can be very different for different people. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have girls who say that, oh, there's no way I can have HA. There must be a re- another reason why I'm not getting my period because I'm only working out four days a week. I'm like, what are those wor- four days like? Oh, it's CrossFit. Or like, oh, it's running. I'm only doing like eight miles four times uh, a week. Mm. And I'm like, okay, this may work for someone, but for you, for your unique body, it might be too much. And let's also take a look at your eating because if we have something going on there, you're not fueling yourself properly there you have it. We have the answer what's going on. Right. And then there are other people who can train, you know, two hours a day to, you know, go to the gym, do some cardio and they are fine. And that's the, that's the thing about HA that we are so unique. We're so different. There's like, it's really difficult to say what's the proper amount for you or what caused it or what point you, what was the point where you lost that, lost your period, what exactly caused it. So, but I would say that, um, on average, you know, it easily, it can easily happen to those who work out four to five days a week and they are under eating. They either cut their carbs out or, I mean, fat is less problem right now. People are not as afraid of fat as they are carbs. Mm-hmm. I remember back when I used to do all the, all the stupid things that I did, I restricted fat a lot. I would even like oven roast and I put that in quotes again my carrots with water and boil my chicken breast because I was so terrified of fat. So you're either restricting calories, you're trying to do one of those 1200 calories a day diets, or you're restricting carbs, you're trying to be super clear, clean keto, whatever it is. You know, it's usually it's a combination of overtraining and under eating and also under recovery. So I don't know, maybe in my case, who knows, maybe things would have been fine had I slept normally, you know, like a normal person, eight, eight hours, what I'm trying to do right now. But, you know, in today's society, people who sleep five hours or six hours and then go and kill a CrossFit workout are the ones who think they should be getting a badge of honor. But that's not the case, right? If you under recover, that's also a huge part of the problem. Yeah. And that's, again, like you just said it, like there's so much reward for no rest days or yeah. like restrict those, car- you know, and, and the 1200 calories, like, yeah. uh, I, um, there was a post the other day by a girl I had on also on the podcast, Jess from Holy Healed. She was like 1200 to 1500 calories is enough for a four-year-old. Exactly. Right. And so 
there's just so many myths I think we need to start like yeah. hitting on. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of people get this 1200 from like, a, you know what a BMR is, right? Your basal uh, metabolic rate. So they calculate that somewhere online and they're like, oh, my BMR is like 1400. So that means that if I want to lose weight, I got to burn I got to burn that, right? I can't, I can't eat more than that. But this 1400 is what you need to survive if you lie on the couch all day long and do nothing else. But most of us super active women, we work out once a day, we cut our calories, we like run around, run our errands, you know, go to work. We're not sitting around all the time. So if you're now trying to burn like 1400 calories on a treadmill, guess what? There's not going to be long when you, when you start getting all sorts of issues and your menstrual cycle is probably one of them that goes. Yeah. Are there specific symptoms to like overtraining or if you're not fueling yourself, like do, is there like, besides getting, not getting your period, are there other things like women can watch out for? Yes, totally. So there's exhaustion and, you know, of course, after working out, you're tired. It's normal to be tired, but if this exhaustion is not going away, you know, the next day, yeah, you're sore. That's fine too. But the next day you feel like I just can't go to the gym or I'm so tired, but you push yourself anyway. So it's like accumulating. So exhaustion is one thing. You may, you probably get really brain foggy. You're like, what the heck is going on? I just can't think clearly. I don't remember things. I don't know. Like, I, why did I put my keys in the refrigerator? You know, stuff like that. You're, you're really brain foggy. You have some memory issues. Um, then, yeah, very slow recovery. Uh, loss of sleep, totally. Because the thing with sleep is that when you work out hard, and th- this is where we talk about hit training a lot, that's the best fat burner, right? So when you work out hard, it's going to shoot your elevate, uh, elevate your uh, cortisol levels up, right? And so a lot of people, when they're chronically elevated, those cortisol levels, they don't come down and you can't fall asleep anymore. So that's one thing, sleep problems, or it can be on the opposite side where you want to sleep all the time. You're like mm-hmm. so done that you can't do anything else. You get up, go to the gym, come back, sleep. And that's no life either. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and then what else is there? Uh, exhaustion. Oh, um, let's see, sleep issues. And then some digestion issues might be happening too. I know I personally had really bad constipation. And that's also from undereating and combined with overtraining. I mean, it's a lot of times it's a combination of two because that's how a lot of women are, right? We want both because we've heard that, oh, you know, it's no point in working out if you just go and, you know, stuff your face with all the food. So we try to cut calories too. And so uh, constipation is definitely one of the common ones also. Yeah. There, uh, yeah. There, uh, I can always, I just get so, I get so excited. <laughs> like there's so many directions because again, like there's just, you said one thing too, which was interesting. Um, and I've heard this before and I've kind of talked about it a little bit, but like with your cortisol levels being too mm-hmm. high, yeah. um, is that I, how, how about like, hmm, I'll ask this question. I feel I'm in a state of stress as it is just with my normal life. And so if I over-exercise, I just feel like I have constant rays of cortisol. Like why, why is that bad besides loss of sleep? Like are there other, why shouldn't your cortisol levels be like that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so cortisol itself, it's not a bad thing. It actually protects us because when it goes up, it gives us, gives our bodies a signal that, okay, something bad's going on. We got to ex- escape, right? Right. We're going to run. 
But yeah, when it gets elevated, this is where the problem happens because we're not designed to have these elevated cortisol levels all the time. And so, uh, yeah, sleep is totally one thing. I don't know if you have noticed. Um, I totally noticed that I was very shaky. I was shaky a lot of times, uh, I, also because I would work out and then I would go and get my cup of really strong coffee with something sweet and there's blood sugar, there's coffee, there's this workout thing and I'm like shaking all over. Yeah. So that was one of the things. And then, you know, those who, uh, okay, maybe, you know, it may sound like these, these two things don't go together because people who recover from HA don't generally have to lose any fat. Mm. right they have to put on some but some people who maybe want to lose some and can't get rid of it there's also a strong correlation between that if you have high cortisol levels you have you tend to have um, really stubborn fat around your midsection especially and that also goes back to sleeping because there's a link between these these uh, things as well yeah yeah. And I, yeah, sleep, I think is so important. And I just, I see a lot of people talking about how they only got four hours of sleep, but then they still got up and did their workout and it's counter, it's counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And they're still like, Oh, I just crushed it. You know, it's so cool. I can still do it, but no, for your nervous system, for your cortisol levels. No, that's, that's not, I always say now that rest and recovery first, then workout. Mm. Right, work out only if you actually have had good night's sleep, or if you work out in the evening and you know that after this or because of this workout, your sleep is going to be cut very short. Just skip it and do it the next day. Right, get proper sleep and do it the next day. Yeah, because are there any? So I, I'm just curious, like what other benefits? Like. Why is that so important? I know, is it like, did we touch on all of that already? Or is there more behind like why sleep and rest is like so important over working out? Uh, yeah. Well, if you think about athletes, right. I have not met an athlete who works out at the expense of their sleep because their performance just suffers, mm. right. They're not able to go and do what they were supposed to do. And also us non non like elite athletes or us who are not Olympic athletes, if we want to make a progress in the gym, if we want to lift a little bit heavier, if we want to improve our running time, if we are under recovering, if we don't get proper sleep, this is not going to happen, no matter how hard we train. So that's one thing with sleep. And then also, of course, your cognitive functioning. We all know that after one night of really shitty sleep, we just can't think clearly. You know, you're just probably just staring at your computer and thinking, okay, what am I supposed to do next? I can't remember, Right. And then, you know, people know a lot about food cravings, how, how we just want to eat everything inside when we haven't slept properly. And, you know, that's, that's not, I don't want to like demonize, you know, like overeating or like, I wouldn't say over, just like eating freely. That's mm -hmm. fine. But I mean, it's not, you don't want to do it all the time either, right? You just, you still want to have a, you know, a decent diet still, um, so sleep absolutely affects that as well. And just in gen general recovery, it's kind of like it flashes your brain. And the, so the next morning you can wake up fresh and ready to start the day instead of being super groggy and, and brain foggy and your body not functioning. And also your muscle recovery. Yeah, mm. you, you're definitely more sore if you don't recover from your workouts, if you don't sleep well. Yeah, I think this is just a big thing to hit home because I see it so often today. 
where people just skip the rest days or, or they'll say, instead of doing like a HIIT workout, they went for a run or they went for a bike ride or something Mm -hmm. as their recovery. And it was like, I mean, are you actually letting your body fully recover? You know, I feel like there's myths about what a rest day is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. I've definitely seen people, you know, posting posting on social media a screenshot of their whatever fitness tracker they used and say that okay that was my my rest day I just burned like 3,000 calories I'm like ooh, like how did you do that it's just like resting or like did that happen when you took a, you know like a 20 minute leisure walk or did you actually work out what was going on how's that your rest day yeah <laughs> going up some hills and doing some burpees but it was my rest day I know. I think the same thing. It's like, there's such, it, it's, it blows my mind sometimes, but I mean, I was there, right. I would be like, Oh, on my rest day, I'm going to go for this hike. I'm like, the hike was still strenuous. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of like, just not maybe not moving my body that day or getting some extra sleep or something, but there's this obsession with needing to always be moving. I think. Totally. I have also written a blog post like that. Back, mm-hmm. I had my blog back when I, when I was still doing really hard workouts. And I do have a blog post somewhere. I know how I spend my rest days. <laughs> and there you can see how I used to spend them. Yeah, you know, we went for a walk in San Francisco. And everyone, anyone who's been in San Francisco knows that there's no way you can avoid hills <laughs> in that city. So, you know, I did some hills up and down. And that was my rest day. You know, I just clocked like 12 or like 20,000 steps today was my rest day. <laughs> <laughs> like now you're like, what? Like that would be like my workout day now. That's my workout. I yeah. mean, 20,000 st- uh, steps and in like hilly San Francisco is workout for me. Yeah. Although I, I have to say though that I, I personally, I don't like on my rest days, I don't like stay in bed all day long. No. That's uh, just like, I like to get like a little bit low grade movements. That's yeah. just for my mental and physical well-being but it's not nothing like what it used to be before. Same. Yeah. I still like to go for like a walk in the middle of the day just to get yeah. out of the office and be outside. Exactly. You would go mentally yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I would. Yeah. Same here. Um, okay. So I have a couple of questions wanting to bring it back to um, HA. Yeah. So one question, and again, I think we should just keep hitting this home, but like, why is not getting your period a, a good thing? You know, it's like you're saying, like, I don't want to, like, hey, I'm not having kids right now, but even if we're not trying to get pregnant, why is having, why do we need our periods? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think it needs to be talked about more. So um, one thing that a lot of people actually, even those who don't want to get babies, like ever, a uh, big thing for them is bone density. Mm. So our bones lose a lot of density when we don't ovulate every month so it's actually not about the period it's about ovulation Mm. so we need this estrogen a certain amount of estrogen every month for our bones to build right and so if we don't get our periods then we lose we can lose bone density at the same rate as menopausal women are losing it but we're not menopausal in our like 20s and 30s right so um so it's, it's very, very important for bone health. Um, if you're worried, if you haven't had your period, you can do, take something like DEXA scan, D-E-X-A scan to see where you're at. I think they take it at spine, your hip bone, and your, what's the, what's the other one, um, where they check the bone density. And mm. so a lot of times that can put you in the osteopenia or already osteoporosis 
um, category, unfortunately, a lot of women who haven't had their periods for year for years. So, and then later, I mean, most of us are active and want to be active when we get older too, but how are you going to be active when you start breaking your bones really easy? You know, maybe you step off the curb wrong and, you know, somebody else would just twist their ankle that we're going to break the bone just because we don't have the bone mineral density. And that's a really, really big problem. Mm. Uh, then also not ovulating has linked to um, some cognitive issues. So there is a theory that people who haven't had their peers, who haven't ovulated, are more prone to Alzheimer's disease, for example, along the line, and also heart disease. Mm. So bone density and heart disease, heart disease, I know people are like, oh, I'm working out so much, I must have strong bones, because we know exercise uh, makes our bones stronger and also our hearts healthier. But if we don't ovulate, these things um, are probably not enough for us, right? We're, we're probably making things worse by over-exercising in terms of our bone health and our heart, heart health. But I know that these things for many women, they're like, oh, I'm 21 right now. You know, there's plenty of time to worry about these things. But if you, if you don't have a period and if you're really physically active, um, then think you probably have some issues already now. You may not just know that they're caused by hypothalamic amenorrhea. And these things are like we talked about before, exhaustion. You're like, how come I am not recovering? Why am I so tired? Why do I want to sleep all the time? Or why do I keep getting those sleep issues, right? Then you may be constipated. I remember I literally uh, went to the bathroom. Um, I like pooped like twice a week. Wow. Yeah. So it was that bad. Um, now it's a daily thing. I'm like, how did I live like that? I, I would always think that, oh, I'm just built that way. I have slow metabolism. I have like bad whatever, right? Mm. It's not. Uh, one huge thing is sex drive, zero mm. sex drive. And I'm, I'm joking that I'm saying that look, when I'm saying, joking and not joking, when I'm saying that you're going to the gym seven days a week to get this like banging hot, hot body and then you're not doing anything with it because you have no interest in sex. It's literally that bad. Yeah. Like, oh, whatever. Don't touch me. Um, and then I know there's more. Um, oh, hair loss is one of the big ones. Mm. I know women who just comb their hair or take a shower and there's like a hand, like really like a handful of hair or they wake up in the morning. It's like, oh, there's a pile of hair on my pillow. So that says that your problem, your, your body is not getting proper nutrients. It's not getting all the supports that you need to give need to give it and people are like oh what's the next hair product i should take or i should use or is it my shampoo is it my conditioner should i get this or that no you gotta eat mm. that's the thing um very 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 common is uh, hair loss and uh mood swings totally you're probably super cranky you get upset easily, uh, especially when you have to skip your workout or especially when the food that you want to be around is not around. You're like, I'm not going to eat that. You're being like total bitch. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes, these are all the signs. And when you think about it, you, prob you probably have some of them. Or if you haven't noticed, ask your, ask your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your, whoever your significant other, other is or your mom or dad. Hey mom, am I, you know, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you some interesting information about you. <laughs> and some outside perspective. <laughs> yes. That we never see. Yeah. Um, so this is, I, this is, I'm genuinely curious about this next question. Um, yeah. so I, 
I think I know, like I've never taken, like that's a, that's a lie. I've taken birth control, but I always reacted really badly to it. So I just stopped because I didn't like what it did for my body. But I know a lot of people um, use it for lots of different reasons. Can you tell if you have HA while you're taking birth control? Because I've also heard that birth control was kind of like a Band-Aid for it. You know what I mean? But like, is that, I, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. Again, something I need, I want to talk about a lot because, you know, when a woman is not getting their period and they're like, they're going to the doctor, what's going on? Why am I not getting my period? The doctor is like, hey, here's a pill for you and you get your period. And they're like, oh, yes, now I have a period every month. This is not a period because you're taking in a bunch of hormones that makes you, that make you think that you have a period. In reality, you don't need this fake period at all. You could take it like seven. I mean, you don't have to take that seven day break. It's just it's just created that way by our pharmaceutical uh, companies that it feels more like a real period. Mm. In reality, there's no need for it. So what you're taking in is just artificial synthetical hormones that are not like our body's normal hormones at all. So you may be thinking it, taking it and thinking everything is fine. And then you get off the pill. Maybe you want to get pregnant and then you're like, oh, where's my period? Why is it not coming anymore? But it's not anymore. You'd never actually had it if you were on the pill, right? So um, you have to give yourself some time. You know, it takes anywhere to six to like more months to get yours back normally if everything is fine and, and you come out of it okay. But if you have been overtraining and under eating, then it might be that you actually had HA the entire time when you weren't on the pill, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it is like putting the Band-Aid or it's just the, the pill was masking the issue that you actually had, but you never realized that you have it. So, um, and I'm sure you know too that the pill is associated with so many health issues. You know, there's all kinds of them. Everybody can go and read what the, what the side effects are. So in that way, the artificial uh, synthetic hormones do the exact opposite of what our natural hormones are supposed to be doing because estrogen and progesterone have so many important roles in women's body and now the synthetic hormones are doing the exact opposite they're taking them all away they're just numbing our body um and yeah there there there's nothing similar in them so i of course i have to always say as a disclaimer i am not a doctor but this is just the case and that you know so many um People, so many doctors who actually care about women's health know these things and talk about those things. For example, you can go check out Nicole Jardim or Lara Bryden and, and see their work if you want more specifics why the pill doesn't work and why we shouldn't be taking it. I want to get those names again from you. Yeah. Um, after, like link those up because I want okay. to find as many resources as possible. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, okay, I had another question. Um, Oh, and I I was going to just add to that. Um, I think for so long, we haven't been taught the nitty gritty of the female hormone, like what everything does. Right. And so I I think a lot of it is just a lack of like not having enough information to educate ourselves. And um, then also having people just prescribing these things, just like you said, it's just a bandaid over a bullet wound. Right. So, um, I, I definitely recommend everyone just taking power over their own 
body and learning as much as they can about their own body and the hormones that we have. Like being a woman is amazing. That's just one thing. So I think being able to now start asking questions and dig a little bit deeper to understand what works best for you is like, we should all do that, you know? Yeah, we totally, absolutely should. And I was um, actually um, just talking to Nicole Jardim, one of the ladies that I just mentioned. And she said that it's actually a freaking awesome thing that our bodies are giving us so many signals that we have those cycles. And us as women, we're like, oh, why do I have this and that? Or why is my body so sensitive? And why is it doing that? But everything that it's doing, say, say that you're, you know, say that you are recovered and you get your period, but it's late. Like, oh, what the fuck? Why is it late again? What happened? But why am I so sensitive? I worked out once and then it went away. She's like, no, it's not a problem. It's so awesome. Your body's talking to you all the time. Just pay attention and honor it and do what it tells you to do. Isn't it amazing? And he said that, you know, men don't have a similar mm. uh, system or at least not as like detailed or so like refined <laughs> maybe is a good yeah. word for it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I wrote a post about something similar where, you know, for so many years, I was so angry at my body for telling me all of these things. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, holy, like it, it's, and, um, another woman, um, we, she said this on my, on another episode, but it was like, this is the most non-biased source of information that we have. Right? Yeah, totally. Our body telling us what it needs. Mm-hmm. And so it is so empowering to be like, Oh, what does that mean? And you know, it's giving us all the answers. And for so many years, and I think a lot of us suppress it or get angry. Like, why am I craving that? Why is this happening? And it's like, this is just information. It's information. Totally. Absolutely agree. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, I have one other question about the birth control situation or not situation, but just question. Um, so do women typically then find out that they may have had HA after they go off the pill or like, it say someone who's been on the pill or has been on birth control for an, like a good portion of their life. They, is there any way for them to know if they have HA while they're on the pill? Does that make sense? Mm, I don't think so. No, I don't think there's any way to know it. No. I mean, actually one thing that I've seen happening and that's fairly rare is that they stop getting even this withdrawal bleed what we call that you get on the pill they stop getting even that and so then it's like whoa this this is really there's something really wrong if you can't even get your quote-unquote period from um from these synthetic hormones but other than that if you're if you get your bleed every month and you're still popping your pills it's hard to tell mm. yeah just Probably, like i don't think there's way yeah that that was my main question because i was just curious of like you know, mm-hmm. when people find out. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I had another question. Okay. Yeah. Kind of on the same lines of HA. Um, during recovery, how much do you tip? I mean, I guess I know this is a very individual basis, but in terms of like food, how have you, and this, I know this is like scary for women who have been struggling with um, this exercise addiction or, you know, obsession with their body image and all this kind of stuff. And now it's like, I have to get my period back. I have to just let go of that. How have you, how do you coach women through that? Because there's a lot of body positive, like body acceptance kind of work in there too. Right. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you have to eat and Mm -hmm. might gain some weight. (laughs) 
Yeah. Do you mean how do you let let go of the fear of food, right? Mm, Yeah. So I think you just have to make some mental shifts. um, And these are very, very powerful. So one way to think about it is that, you know, for a lot of things, you can take medication. In that case, food is the medication, right? Mm. There's There's this one way to heal it. There's, of course, other comp- components too, but food is the main thing. And this is what you absolutely need. Without that, there's nothing. I mean, it, it just can't, right? It's like, a, say that you have like a killer pain, like tooth pain, toothache. You just can't. You have to take the pill. Now you just have to eat the food, right? That's the thing. And also when you start seeing your weight going up, that's a natural thing. And also the way I tell my clients to think about it is that every pound or every kilogram you gain, you gained health. You didn't gain anything that makes you terrible or awful or ugly or now you're a bad person. No, you gained health. You're on this journey to you know, getting, getting better, getting healthier, doing a big service for your future self, right? These are kind of my my two things and maybe also, you know, educating yourself and reading some books and, and listening to podcasts that really explain the importance of food. I feel like in this society where we live today, food is so demonized. It's like, mm-hmm. I haven't, I have an article. It's like, why I think I called it why calories aren't your enemy or why calories aren't bad for you. Because we see it all the time. We have to cut calories less and less and less and then burn more and more and more it sounds like calories are some sort of enemy that we just have to like kick out of our lives but this is not true like nobody survives without calories and we if we have lost our periods or if we have any of these other symptoms that we talked about before that means that we have treated food as a negative thing as an enemy right but Without that, I mean, why, the reason why you get constipated is that there's no energy to put towards your digestion. That's really the thing. Why you cannot sleep is that we need calories to sleep. There are so many processes happening in our body that we need calories for. If you take these calories out, there's no sleep, right? Why you are so exhausted when you're working out? Because you're not eating enough, probably. And so I just can't just stand these, these like diets that tell you to eat like 1400 calories and still go and crush it. Right. It's, this is not how a human body is supposed to work at all. It's just a big myth. And you just have to learn to understand that what you've been doing is it's not your fault. You're just being brainwashed by this diet industry and fitness industry, unfortunately. And you just have to re-educate yourself and kind of rethink those old, um, ideas or, or attitudes around food. Yeah. And that's, that's so hard when, you know, probably for the majority of that person's life, it's been all about those messages where Mm -hmm. it is fear of this, you create this fear around food. And then this, this horrible relationship develops with the thing that keeps you alive. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. There's just so many things I could say about this, but just, <laughs> I know. It, you know how the, it's like a health and fitness and all of these industries, I'm using air quotes here a lot, but they promote all of these things as like health, Yeah. but we're just feeding into these billion dollar industries that want us to fail so that we keep buying their products and keep buying, like buying into these things when we have all the answers within. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, someone just posted the other day, um, I don't remember who that was, but it posted, she posted on Instagram that we never question any other 
mm. uh, signals from our body. Did you see that? From yeah. our body, as much as we question hunger. So for example, we don't question, oh, do I really need to pee? Should I put it off a little bit? Should I just pee a little bit? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, what do I do about it? Because w- with food, we're like, should I eat it? Do I really want it? Am I hungry? Maybe we just have a, I don't know, a spinach leaf or whatever, right? <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. If you get a signal that you're hungry, you probably are. There's yeah. no tricks like, oh, let's try to like drink water and be fine. Water is not food. There's no calories in water. So I don't recommend that. Right. And what's really cool too is, I mean, one thing over, over this time and over like developing these kind of negative relationships, we've suppressed these, these things from our body. Like we've suppressed these signals or we've, we've, we've separated this trust from our body. Mm-hmm. And so as we learn to heal that relationship, we can then start getting really in tune with the signals and what's our, what our body's asking for. And we can be like, oh, okay, I do want some sugar. So I eat some sugar and then I'm like, okay, I'm full. So I stopped eating the sugar. Or like, I re- like the other day I ate a salad because I really wanted it, mm-hmm. not because I was forcing myself. And it's really cool to like have these moments of like, Indul- like or really enjoying your food and nourishing your body in a way that's asking for yeah absolutely it's yeah, so without, cool. without overthinking it right yes yeah just, exactly you kind of I feel like sometimes we need like a total brain reset mm. like try to forget all the rules you've ever heard of and just you know go with your intuition yeah that's a hard process to get to but it's I always say it's so worth digging into that kind of stuff. It is for sure. And especially when you get, um, when you like, I'm, I'm starting to learn a little bit more about my hormone health Mm -hmm. and that's something I really didn't understand. And as I'm learning more and more, you just start picking up on things and you are making decisions about like what's best. And it's just, it's really empowering. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if I have any other burning questions. I yeah, feel awesome. I I feel like I I went through all of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on, like talk so that we can dig into a little bit more? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, I just maybe I would add that um, you know it's a really big part of recovering from hypothalamic amenorrhea is learning to accept your body. Mm. right because I think if we just knew that okay I gotta eat more I gotta stop exercise you know most of, most people would be okay with it if 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 it didn't come with some added weight right because who wouldn't like to eat ice cream so um you just have to le- relearn so much you have to do the mindset work around your body you know you have to learn to understand that gaining weight doesn't make you a worse person it doesn't make you a lazy person mm. and also one big problem is that a lot of women's um identities are tied to this one thing I am the fit girl right Mm. but you can't be that can't be your life mission so you gotta start exploring exploring what else is out there what else can I do um where else are my values you know and kind of like try to shift the focus away from your body and what I also see unfortunately a lot is uh body dysmorphia a lot of people are very unaware of how they actually look like because they are, you know, posting their pictures. Maybe somebody's on their road to recovery and they're like, Oh my God, three weeks ago. I was so skinny. Look at me now. And I'm like, 
girl, your ribs are sticking out, right? You know, there must be something going on. So uh, that's also something that I sometimes recommend asking honest opinion from your close people. Like, do you really, is it just me that I think I'm fat and ugly or is it the reality? And you know what? Like, of course, the friends and family members, they, they don't see it because it's not there. You're not fat. You're not huge. You're not obese or whatever. Then that's a good indicator that there's something going on. And I would really look into some, um, some body dysmorphia literature and try to learn more about that. Because I think that's, that's just a very, very big thing. And of course, the comparison game that we all play on social media you know, you put this like one, one girl next to you and you're like, oh my goodness, she has, she has her beautiful body and she has her shit together. I mean, she looks so great and I look so ugly. But I also want to say that you don't know how this girl's life actually is, right? So do you know that she's absolutely fit and healthy? Do you know that she's getting her period? Do you know what's behind the scenes? Mm. Because you probably don't. So the comparison is really, really, really dangerous. And just try to stop doing it unfollow those people who make you feel less than and you know clear clean up your social media feed because you don't need this kind of um, comparison in your in your life and it's holding you back from getting healthier if that's kind of putting breaks on you recovering from HA or an eating disorder the same way so there's a lot that you kind of uh, can do to start to accept your body better you just have to get your mind right and, and learn to understand that the changes that you're making are for your body and for your long-term health, really. Yeah. And look, and yes. And it's funny because I think some of the messaging out there is for the pursuit of like weight or um, health. Mm -hmm. And I think we're kind of going after it in some of the wrong ways with just weight loss being the definition of what health is. Yeah. Because it's very clear that a hundred and whatever pounds versus a hundred and whatever, like there's, it can, health doesn't have to be a specific, it doesn't have to be a specific weight, exactly. you know, mm-hmm. and it's on a, such an individual level. Yeah. And, and smaller is not healthier. Mm. It definitely isn't the case. Like I've, you know, I've seen it in myself and those women who I've been coaching, everybody has put on weight and been healthier as a result. So, you know what, when I started my recovery from hypothalamic amenorrhea, I was not over, underweight, sorry, I was not underweight. I was right in the middle of the normal BMI, which should have been the perfect, the most healthiest that you could ever be, right? At the same time, I had all the symptoms that I talked about before, but I looked really good. I was really lean, right? I could, you know, yeah, I looked really, really good. Uh, but then now I have put on a lot of weight. I don't know how much, but I'm finally sleeping. I slept eight and a half hours last night, which compared to three years ago is three hours more. Wow. So, and then which is healthier now? Is it, is, do my like dimples on my stomach tell me that I am healthy now, unhealthy now? No, they don't, right? So it's, it's really not about uh, health or, or, I mean, it's not about weight or, or your fat percentage. And that's like a, that's like a, a big myth that I think we need to work on yeah, changing. Absolutely. Yes. That's, yeah, it's just not true. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, well, 
Is there anything else that you want to say? Well, first two questions. Is there anything else that you want to tell women who may be struggling with HA? And then second question, where can people find you if they want to connect? Sure. Uh, (laughs) Oh my goodness. I already forget, forgot the first one because I was thinking about the second one. Uh, What, 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 what should they do? Right. That was the question. Or, or, what would you say to someone who maybe? Oh, struggling? what would I say? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And I just told you how awesome my memory got. <laughs> I, I, I do this all the time where I ask like six questions, and I'm like, yeah. okay, go ahead. You know? Know. <laughs> no, I would really say that uh, just do it. I mean, yes, it is scary. It is scary. There's going to be a lot of changes. It's not going to be a, like a fun thing to see your body changing, and if you keep weighing yourself, it's not going to be like, oh yes, I gained two more pounds. Whoa, probably not. But you have to do it for your long-term health. And at the same time, you know, when I think what changed in my life as a result of like being, I don't know how many pounds heavier, nothing really changed that much. I mean, I still live my life the same way. I still have the same job. My husband didn't leave me, (laughs) you know, like all the things that people think like, oh my God, nobody wants to be with me anymore. Nobody trusts me, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, nothing happened because you as a person didn't change, right? anything I know I got smarter and I'm a better trainer I'm a personal trainer I'm definitely a better trainer right now because I know that I have to be aware of things I have to you know we talk about menstrual cycle with my female clients all the time where are you in your cycle what's going on right Mm -hmm. and based on that we decide okay what do we do today right Mm -hmm. so um that's yeah you have to you have to take the leap and you have to jump and, and trust the process um if you have all the symptoms, you've been overtraining, you know that you've been restricting your calories and you don't get your period, the problem is, prob- the, the reason is probably these things, right? That you are doing too much physical activity and that you are under eating. So that's the reason. Uh, and then where people can find me is... Can I ask um, one more question yeah. before we do yeah. I just, yeah. you mentioned something and I was like, oh wait, that's, I want to say something. Um, okay. Are, so when you're in different phases of your cycle. Are there specific, Uh like not specific exercises, but is there recommended movement based on where you're at in your cycle Mm -hmm. or where you're at in your whole, you know, everything. Yes. (laughs) Yes, there is. There's a, there's definitely a way to um, train around your um, uh, cycle. So the first half which is called the follicular follicular phase um this is when you can in general go harder push yourself a little bit harder i mean given of course that you recover well Mm -hmm. and this is kind of like the time to test your strength or push your limits if you want to do so and then the second half of your cycle which is like starting from your ovulation to your period this is where you should generally slow down a little bit give yourself a little bit more rest days recover you know uh, maybe you feel like, oh, I don't feel quite that well. Maybe cut your workout shorter. It's all cool. So in general, yeah, these are the two, two phases. And that's, I think that's important to mention too, because I think sometimes as women, we're like, we just got to push through it. I'm on my yeah. period, but fuck it. But yeah. Yeah. like, I've just experienced listening to those things and being like, oh, this is nice. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to, I'm tired. I'm not going to push really hard because my mm-hmm. body's asking for rest. Yeah. Totally. And that doesn't mean that if you feel tired in the first phase of your um, menstrual Mm. cycle that you have to push out every single workout. No, still listen to your body, but just in general, yes, it's, it's, uh, if you want to test and try your limits, then do it in the first half of the cycle. 
Awesome. Thank you. I wanted to get that out first because I was like, just sure. words. So yeah. back to where people can find you. Yes. So my website is urbanjane.co. So not com, but co. Uh, I post articles there uh, about twice a week or so, all about HA, body image, a uh, little bit of binge eating because that's what I used to struggle with a lot. Mm. And then on social media, I'm most active on Instagram. And there I am, Kirsten Kimura, my first and last name all spelled together. And then I also have a YouTube channel where you, I post videos, um, and that's also urbanjane.co. So it's just Instagram, that's Kirsten Kimura. Awesome. I'll make sure I have all of this linked up um, in the show notes and then some of the other resources that we talked about as well so that people yeah. can um, learn a little bit more and just feel a little bit more empowered. Yes, <laughs> of course. Um, well, it was so, so great having you on today. Um, I always say the time goes so fast just because I love having these conversations and so grateful for your work and just for this time and just thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. That was fun. I enjoyed talking to you a lot. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we will all chat soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so, so much for listening and for being here with me. If you want more resources, pop on over to www.stephanie-dankelson.com. And until next time, stay radiant.